0: This is going to be a fun message series. Uh, it's a five-part message series. Today, we're going to talk about the introduction to this principle of reset. And I'm preaching from a message called, From the Inside Out. Somebody say, From the Inside Out. And we're going to pray a prayer to- together here today. One of the most powerful prayers that somebody can pray is, Jesus, will you reset my life? Jesus, will you reset my life? Amen. Amen. We're going to pray that together today. And next week, we're going to talk about resetting your vision. Resetting your vision. Anybody can use a new vision in this place? Well, let me tell you this. If you don't have a vision, a clear vision of what you want God to do with you this year, by the end of January, you're going to go through this year and you're going to finish this year and you're not going to be as effective as you need to be. How in the world are you going to know when you've missed the mark, when there's no measurement, when there's no vision, when there's, when there's nothing to measure your vision, there's nothing to measure your success or how unsuccessful you've been if you don't have a vision. And here in the presence of God next week, we're going to seek God for a fresh vision, a real vision that God is going to help us to do something great this year. How many people are waiting for something great this year? Amen. Many people don't know how to have visions. Many people don't have effective visions. I know people who've been to school and I know kids who are in college don't know what their major should be. Don't know what they should be pursuing. If you let January go without a clear vision of what you want to accomplish this year, you're going to go through all the way to December and you're going to look back and you're going to feel like you didn't do anything and you, you were not effective Because of having no vision. So we're going to believe God for great visions next week. Amen. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about resetting your habits and routines. Resetting your habits and routines. It's a good thing to have a good vision. But if your vision is not supported by habits and routines, if your vision is not supported by systems, your vision is going to be reduced to a signpost. Your vision is going to be reduced to a signpost. A good vision is like a tour guide. A tour guide takes you where you need to go. A signpost just tells you that's where you should go. But a good tour guide takes you where you need to go. If I can ask for that to go off, it's definitely blinding me. Thank you. Thanks, LJ. Let's appreciate LJ. Last time... I survived through that thing and I was blind by the time we finished. So today I was going to say something about it. (laughs) Your vision needs systems and habits and routines. If you don't shift your habits and your routines, you're not going to be able to to accomplish your vision. So we're going to talk about that on week number three. On week number four, we're going to talk about resetting your relationships. Somebody say, God, will you reset my relationships? One more time, God, will you reset my relationships? You can have a good vision. Amen? And you can have good routines and systems. But if you don't have the kind of relationships, if you don't have the kind of team, if, if you don't have the kind of godly partnerships to help you accomplish what God is telling you to do, you're going to fall short. Amen? And so we're going to talk about relationships. We're going to deal with uh, re- you know, marriages and Single people in all kinds of relationships. and We're going to ask God together. We're going to pray this prayer. Jesus, will you reset my relationships? Amen. And then on the last week, week five, we're going to talk about resetting your priorities. Somebody say, Jesus, will you reset my priorities? We want to ask God to help us reset our priorities. If you have a good vision... Good routines and good relationships. If you don't change your priorities, if you don't put your house in order, you're still going to fall short. So this entire month, we're going to begin with God. We're going to reset our lives and we're going to have a great 2016 because we are starting with Jesus. Amen. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. Well, my wife loves to ask me to clean the house from time to time. Anybody has a wife like that? Now, my wife is pretty cool because she doesn't do it all the time, okay? Doesn't do it all the time. But once in a while, she gets so tired and overwhelmed with the kids. And she goes, honey, could you please help? Silent in here. (laughs) And I'll tell you too, there are times when, you know, there are times when I... I want some things in my life. I want my wife to do some things. And I'm believing God for some things. Married people know what I'm talking about. I start to clean the house so I can get some things. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. And, but, but there are times when she says, honey, can you help me? There are times when we invite people in our home. And I'm, I'm normally the one who invites people. And I have a tendency of telling her two hours before people come. Honey, so we have visitors tonight she goes, come on, you should have told me in, a, in advance. And then she says, okay, can you come back home and help me clean then so I can cook? Because I can't do everything at the same time. So I go home and, and I help out. But I am very good at cleaning. Any, any fellas here that can say you're good at cleaning? Come on, any fellas? Come on, fellas. Woof, woof, woof. Come on, fellas. <laughs> I am very good at cleaning, Joe. Listen, because when I clean, I do it in 10 minutes. I don't have time to waste, Bobby. I can't be cleaning for an hour, two hours. That's, that's a waste of time, okay? There's great things to do in this life. I clean for 10 minutes because I grab everything I can see and I find the nearest closet somewhere. <laughs> and I just shove that stuff in there. I'm talking. I'm pushing it in. I'm p- and then it closes, okay? And then I grab all the kids' toys and I find a couch, stuff them under the couch. I find beds and I put them under the beds and I put the stuff in there and then I sweep up and light some candles, candles. They do it. They do the job. Light some candles and uh, sweep the floor and that place is squeaky clean, squeaky clean. And my wife goes, you're done 10 minutes. That's it. I say, man, listen, you've got to, you've got to get with the program. You've got to get with the program. So here's what happens, right? The visitors come and the place is nice. And my wife is like, oh, let me take your coats. Let me let me take your jackets, put them in the closet. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't open that thing. And I run and I grab the coats like a real good, uh, you know, real good gentleman. I, no, I'll i grab them. I'll take the coats into our personal bedroom for you. Don't put them in the closet. I'm bringing them into our bedroom, into the anointed room. I bring them out there with coats on our bed and because you can't open that closet. And then the visitors go. And the next day, the kids open their closets. They start looking for their toys under the... I'm telling you, it took me 10 minutes to clean that place. And it takes 5 minutes to break that place apart. Everything all over the place. Everything all over the place. I'm here to say to you that you cannot change your behavior without changing your heart first. You can't change your behavior without changing your heart first. The reason many people do all this, write all these New Year's resolutions and they fall apart quicker than they put them together is because they're trying to do it from the outside in, but you have to have change from the inside out. Somebody say amen to that. Only a manufacturer can reset and recalibrate a machine. Ultimately, only God can reset your heart. Ultimately, only God can change you. And so if I want to recalibrate this, this computer, this Apple computer, I have to bring it to Apple for them to recalibrate it and to reset it for me. There've been times when I had a virus in this thing and I switched it off and turned it back on and it didn't do it and I knew I needed to give it a hard reset. So I'll bring it to Apple and they would reset it for me. You see, to reset something, you have to reset the hard drive. Somebody shout hard drive they have got to do it in the hard drive. They, they don't just change the aesthetics and the outside. They can't just change the aesthetics and this is silver and, and put a black one or a white one and say, we fixed it. They've got to reset the hard drive. They've got to rewire the thing from the inside out in order to reset this thing. And that's what a lot of people are doing. We write these New Year's resolutions. I want to change. I want to eat better. I want to spend more time with my family and I want to work, but I want to balance it out. I want to learn something new. I want to become better. I want to be balanced. I want to pray more. I want to read the Bible more. But what we're doing is all these new resolutions, we're doing them from the outside. We're just changing the outside, but we want God to change our heart first. If we're going to be able to fall to follow through with our resolutions. Somebody say, amen. One more time. Somebody say, amen. Resetting your life is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. The reason you're overspending is because there's something in the heart that God needs to heal and fix. The reason you're treating the wife the way you are. The reason you're treating your husband the way you are is because God has got to reset your heart first. The reason you're overeating, God's got to change your heart first. There are people who overeat because that's how they comfort the void they fill on the inside. There are people who abuse other people because there's a pain on the inside. And so, you can say you want to change all you want. You can say you want to change your diet. You can say you want to exercise more. But until God begins to heal the void on your inside, you're going to fall flat. So, we want Jesus to change our heart. Come on, is that our prayer this this morning? Come on, is that our prayer? Jesus, will you reset my heart? Jesus, will you change me? Jesus, will you reset my heart? Somebody shout, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to the book of Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. This is going to be awesome here today. You are in for a treat. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 verse 11. This is the story of the prodigal son. This is the story of the prodigal son. How many people know this story? How many people know this story? Well, I'm going to recap a little bit. Because I want you, for those of you who've never been to church before, you're welcome to the house of God. Amen. This is a church that loves to impact people. Some of you have not been to church in a long, long, long time. Some of you may not even know this kind of story. So, the story of the prodigal son is a story of three characters. Somebody shout three. See, a lot of people, when they teach this story, they only emphasize on the son... Who went away on this son who was this mischievous son who was crazy and the prodigal son, right? They're only focused on the prodigal son. But this story is a story of three characters. The son, and then there was the older son. Somebody say the older son. And then there was who? The father. Three characters. A lot of people only talk about the son. But today... We're going to learn and we're going to talk about resetting our lives. And we're going to learn from these three characters. Number one is the son. Somebody say the son. Number two is the older son. Somebody say older son. Number three is the father. Somebody say older father. The father. Now listen, we're going to open three files. File number one is a file for the son. Amen. So I want you to do it with your hands like you're opening file number one. Come on, somebody, somebody. We're gonna open file number one and we're gonna talk about the son who left. And then we're gonna open file number two and we're gonna talk about the older son. And then we're gonna open file number three and we're gonna talk about the father. And some of you are gonna identify yourselves with file number one. Some of you are gonna identify yourselves with file number two. And some of you are gonna identify yourselves with file number three. Amen? And some of you are going to be a little schizophrenic like me. You're going to identify yourself with all these different files. You're going to have a little bit of each one of these files. But when it's said and done, I'm going to share three things that are going to help us to reset whether we're file number one, file number two, and file number three. Amen? Now let's go to file number one. Somebody shout one. File number one is the prodigal son. The first mistake that the prodigal son did Was he went to the father and he said, I want you to give me my inheritance now before you die. I want to check out what's in the will and I want it now before you die. The reason many of us need a reset from the inside out is because we have what I call a titanic spirit. We're in such a hurry all the time. We want things quickly. I want it now. Get me this now. I want to do this now. I've got to have this. I've got to have that. I've got to... And I have to have it now. And the reason we are trying to reset our lives and write all these New Year's resolutions is because deep within, we're struggling with a hasty spirit. And I'm asking God to heal me of that hasty spirit. He made so many mistakes because he just could not wait. You have to remember the father was rich. They had everything that they they could have wanted, but he wanted more, more, and quickly, and quickly. There's such a microwave spirit in our nation today, especially in this generation. And some of us find ourselves in trouble over and over and over and over because we want things quickly. I pray in the name of Jesus that God would heal you from the inside out, from this titanic mentality in Jesus' name. You see, the Titanic sunk, not because there was something wrong with the engine. The Titanic sunk because it was moving way too quickly. When you hear the story of the Titanic, the captain saw the iceberg that was in front of them. And they started turning that thing. They shot off the engines just to slow it down. But they were moving way too quickly and they got themselves in trouble killed over a thousand people because of moving way too fast. If you're gonna do your New Year's resolution and you're asking God to reset your life, to change your life, I'm praying that God is gonna save you and God is gonna heal you from this lack of patience in the name of Jesus. Anybody here needs some patience? God help us in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you You can do your New Year's resolutions. But until God can give you a patience. Until you can start operating in the spirit of patience. You're going to make so many mistakes. I know people who found themselves in trouble in 2015. Because they they did a business deal they shouldn't have. Too quickly. I know people who dated some guy and they did it way too quickly. They married some crazy person. They did it way too quickly. And you have a New New Year's Eve you have a New Year's resolution and you're saying to yourself, I need to do something differently. Single people, I need, I need to date people uh, who are good, who love God. But, but you need to slow it down. Turn to your neighbor tell them, slow down. You need to slow down. Begin to hear from God. Slow down, slow down, slow down. From the inside out, from the inside out. The second thing that this dude here did in this file number one, file number one. The second thing he did Was that he left home. When the father gave him the money. He left the next day and went away. The Bible says he went to a far away country. He disconnected himself from the father's house. If you're going to reset your life. You need to make a commitment this year. That you're going to connect your life into a church body. Somebody say amen. You need to be connected to a church body. And listen, this is not a plug for Impact Church. There are many great churches here in the Boston area. You need to connect to one of them. Somebody say amen. And I know there are people here. You've been heard in the past by church people. They've talked about you. And so you kind of put one leg in the church and the other leg is out there. But listen, will you trust again? Will you believe again? You need the accountability of the house of God if you're going to stay on track. The reason you're breaking your resolutions and the reason you're breaking your own principles is because you're not in the house of God. It's because you don't have any spiritual accountability. Statistics prove that kids who come from homes where there's just one parent uh, perform less in school than kids who come from homes where there's two parents. Did you know that? Kids who are coming from homes, two-parent homes, outperform kids that are coming from single-parent homes or kids that are in foster homes. You know why? Because our human nature, we are wired to perform better when we know somebody else is going to inspect what we are doing. It's difficult for you to stay on track unless you have an accountability. My prayer is that if you're in this church, that if you're a lady, you're going to find another lady who can hold you accountable. If you're a man, you're going to find another man who can hold you accountable. Your dream to stay on track financially is not going to come through unless you have somebody else checking up on you. Your dream to treat your wife better is not going to stay on track until you have somebody else that can do it in love and check up on you. I have accountability. My wife and I, we have accountability. I go and I sit down with my bishop, my pastor, once every month, I go to his house. I clean the house. I serve the man of God. And then we take a walk together and he starts to tell me, how are you doing with Michelle? How are you, son? How are you doing? Uh, looking at things in the computer at night. I'm like, Bishop, do you really have to ask that? Yes, son. He looks me straight in the eyes and say, Bishop, I'm doing good. Come on. Somebody say, hallelujah to that. 50% of people are getting divorced outside of the church and inside the church because there's no accountability. You need to be planted in the house of God if you're going to follow through with your resolutions. Somebody say, amen. Come on, you need to be planted in the house of God. And if this is your church of choice, I want you to be planted here. I want you to serve. Attend next steps. We're starting I groups uh, next month. Be a part of a small group. Start a small group. Be a part of the koinonia. The koinonia, it's a Greek word that simply means the community of the body of Christ. There's safety in the house of God. The second thing that this dude did was he left the house of God. And then the third thing that happened when he left the house of God... The Bible says that he started living his life recklessly. Reckless living. Somebody shout reckless living. Became excessive. When there's no accountability in your life, you become excessive at doing things. The reason you're eating the way you're eating. The reason you're doing the things you're doing. The reason you're not following through with your resolutions is because there's no accountability. And the next thing that follows is an excessive spirit. Can anybody here say that I I, I need to adjust the way I'm eating a little bit? I'll be the first one. I'll be the first one running to this altar. There's some things I need to adjust in my life. Anybody here? Some things I need to adjust. Too many portions. Just some things I need to balance my schedule. I need to be home a little more. And the fourth thing that happened to this guy. We're still in file number one. The fourth thing that happened. The Bible says... He spent all the money, became broke. He got a job in a farm. And what he was doing, he was feeding pigs. Somebody shout pigs. So crazy, he became homeless. Started feeding pigs. And the next thing is the Bible says he started eating the food that the pigs were eating. Woo! Started eating the food that the pigs were eating. Pigs symbolize a spirit of chaos and confusion there's a story in the bible where jesus is praying for this guy who's got a demon he's got demons actually he's got a legion of demons and the demons are crying out and they're saying send us to the pigs send us to the pigs pigs are filthy pigs love mud they they eat anything they eat they can eat a human flesh they symbolize demonic activity they symbolize chaos When you leave the house of God, when you leave the accountability of the presence of God and people in your life, you're going to fall short and you're going to begin to get an appetite for chaotic things. An appetite for confusion. Listen, when I came to the States back in 1998, I came from a country where we had literally no TV station. Then I came to America. America. I was like, wow, there's hundreds of stations here, hundreds of, I I was just glued to that remote control. And I honestly, I started watching TV evangelists, Kenneth Copeland and all these different guys. And I was just, Joyce Meyer. I was just watching. I was just like, wow. And one day I fumbled upon a guy called Jerry Springer. I thought he was a TV evangelist. I was like, man, this TV evangelist with the glasses, a TV evangelist helping marriages. Jerry Springer. Oh my god, I thought I was going to pass out. This dude, what I saw with my eyes, Bobby, I could not believe it. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. And, and then after Jerry F- Springer finished, there was another show by a guy called Molly, something like that, something like that. There was this there was this there was this lady, right? She she had been sleeping with like 10 dudes. Can I can I be honest here? 10 dudes, and she's showing up, and she's saying, that guy right there, that's my baby daddy right there. And the dude is like, nope, that's not me. That's not me. No, it's, it's Bobo over there. It's, it's Jose over there. It's that dude over there. And she's like, no, that's the guy. And then they put up a picture, right? And they show the dude face like that. And then they show the picture of the baby. See? Same forehead, same nose. That's That's my baby daddy. And then the guy shows up Reads a paper. According to Anthony Adamson Johnson, you are not the father. Ah! She falls, passes out. <laughs> oh my God! Oh my God! <laughs> I'm there, I'm just like, oh, my God, these Americans are crazy. I want to be here in this country. I said it just like that with my accent. I want to be here in this country, this is good. You know what, Bobby? The more I started watching that Jerry Springer thing, I would wake up in the morning, I've got to see Jerry Springer. I want more Jerry Springer. I want more. Listen, I stopped watching this TV evangelist and I was there every day watching evangelist apostle Jerry Springer. You know what happens? Your body craves what you give it. It's going to be dangerous when you begin to crave chaos and confusion. You see, biology proves to us that when you begin to eat fatty kind of foods, fried chicken, anybody? Fried chicken, all this pasta and all this thick oily stuff, that your body begins to release these hormones and these enzymes to digest the fatty food. And then it does the work, but then these enzymes remain in your body, waiting to digest more food, and then it makes you crave fatty foods. But when you begin to drink water and eat fruit your body begins to release these hormones and these enzymes that are supposed to digest healthy and organic food. And then that remains in there because it's waiting for more healthy food to digest. And when that happens, you begin to crave healthy stuff. You crave what you eat. And the problem is many Christians in this place, we've developed an appetite for the wrong things from the inside out. We've developed an appetite for chaos. There's some people in this place, you need to leave some of those relationships. You need to walk away in 2016. You're not going to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. Still hanging out with those crazy people. You need to learn to say goodbye. I need to focus on what God is doing in my life. You're craving the wrong things. You have an appetite for chaos. You need God to heal you from the appetite. Somebody somebody say amen in this place. Come on, shout and say, God heal me in Jesus' name. Let's close this file. Close this file. Close this file. Let's go to file number two. File number two. If you didn't identify with this person, you're going to identify with this file. File number two is the older son. The Bible says the older son was in the fields when the the younger son came back home. Because this younger son repented and he came back home. And the father was excited and they threw a party for this kid. And... The older son didn't even know that the younger son was home because he was busy working. This dude was obsessed with work. So obsessed with work that his brother who's been away for years and years and years is back. And he has no idea what's going on because he's busy working and saving the whole world. Obsessed with work. The second thing that happened to this guy, check this out. He hears music. And he's asking one of the servants, what's that music? What is going on over there? And the servant tells him, they're playing music. They've thrown a party for, you, for your kid brother. Remember your kid brother who left? Who went away? We're celebrating because your kid brother is back home safe. The servant knows more about this, this dude's family than he does. Let me say this to you. If other people... Know more about your family than you know, you're disconnected. This guy was so disconnected, so out of touch with his own family. His father has been crying, brokenhearted, waiting for the son to come back home, and the son is back home, and this guy has no idea what's going on because he's busy saving the whole world. And there's some people in this place, we've become disconnected to our families. I can identify with this guy here. I remember a season when I was doing ministry, working and doing so much. I didn't even know what was happening in my own home. My wife was talking to her mother and friends because she she didn't even have time to talk to me and to tell me what's going on in our life. She couldn't even tell me about what's going on with the kids because I was gone. I was busy saving the whole world, busy working. And there are people in this place you desperately need a reset because you're disconnected. You're neglecting your family. People who end up in affairs, right? It's because they've neglected certain responsibilities. Women that have been neglected. People doing all kinds of stuff and working. You have time for everybody else but your own family. I pray in the name of Jesus that in 2016, you're not going to be disconnected. You're going to be a person that takes care of your responsibilities. Somebody say amen and amen. It's disconnected. Here's the third thing, right? Here's the third thing. This, this is cool. Third thing. The servants tell him, we are throwing a party for your brother. Come, come to the party. And this guy says, no, I don't even have time for the party. Why are you guys throwing this party? This guy is so legalistic. He's upset that the father is throwing a party for this boy. He's he's just upset because he's like, this guy was out there doing crazy stuff. How in the world do you throw a party for this crazy dude? And there's some of us in this place, we need God's grace again in our lives. We are so busy. We are not even fun to be around anymore. You just think about work all the time. It's just about work. It's just, it's just about what you need to do. You're just constantly working. You're just con- I remember a time, Bobby, when my wife used to say, Honey, will you just, can you just smile at me? And I used to be like, I don't have anything to smile about. Sad, heartbroken, just trying to save the whole world. Trying to, trying, there are people in this place, your duty, you're trying to fix everybody. You're trying to straighten everybody out. You're busy working, you're legalistic, you don't want to see anybody celebrate it. You're just working, and you're working, and you're working. Here's the last thing that this guy said. He went to the father. Matter of fact, the father went to him and said, hey, there's a party going on here. Why don't you come to the party? No, I don't have time for the party. I've been here working. And listen to what he says. He says, I've been here slaving for you. I've been slaving this whole time, and you never threw me a party. And the father says to him, Listen, everything I have is yours. Everything I have belongs to you. In other words, the father was saying, It's really not just about the work, it's about relationship first. I'm here with you. I'm here for you. I'm your father. I I never told you to be a slave. We have everything we need. We're rich. We have everything. We have servants. But you're working more than the servants. This guy came home and he's asking the servants, what's going on here? Because the servants are out of work. They're done with their work there. And this guy is still out there trying to save the world. I'm praying in the name of Jesus that in 2016, you're not going to be disconnected with your family. You're not going to be re- legalistic. You're going to take time. Take time to enjoy life. Take time. There's a parties going on. Take time it's okay to just chill out it's okay to relax a little bit it's okay to spend time listen, God changed me now I'm a happy guy man, I couldn't smile before, I never used to smile these days I can, I can be with my house in the, I can be with my wife in the house and we just slow dance in the house she comes to me, honey, why don't you just slow dance with me and we just slow dance in the middle of the house and the kids are like, ew, that's crazy I'm like, yep, you guys need to see more of this I've relaxed I can laugh now Linton, I can laugh, man. I can have fun. I can relax. I can have a life. Listen, God doesn't want you to be a slave. Wants you happy, slow down. Take it easy. It was a sad day for me when I found out that my wife would talk to other people about some of our fears. And she wouldn't come to me because I was just too busy saving the world. neglected we need to change this picture as christians this is where we need the reset as christians it's about relationship the father say here listen everything i have is yours i just i want to be in relationship with you it's about relationship people of god and my prayer for you in the name of jesus is that god will reset your priorities it's time to love people again It's time to relax. Listen, you don't have to solve the whole world. You don't have to save the whole world. Listen, the world was doing all right before you came here. And the world will be doing fine after they've put you six feet under. You don't need to save the whole world by yourself. Grace. Christ has come to set you free. Christ has come to set you free. Somebody say amen to that. I'm going to finish by opening file number three. The father... Is out there looking and waiting for the sun. Do you know why he's waiting for the son? Because he recognizes that he caused this problem. His son came to him and said, I want my inheritance now. You don't have to give everybody what they want. You've got to give them what they need. And there's some people in this place, place who have become enablers of problems. Some of you, you, you want to give your kids everything. You want to give your mother everything, your father everything. You're just running around trying to do it all by yourself. And instead of fixing problems, you're creating problems because you don't know how to say no. I told you, I can identify with all these fast. I used to be this guy here. Listen, I come from Africa, right? When you come to America, you're supposed to take care of the whole village. Okay, you're supposed to pay fees for that nephew and that auntie. And, the, and I was living in America, working three jobs and paying for everybody. And I thought, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what it means to be a good African. There are mothers in this place. There are kids who have left the house of God. And you feel like it's your responsibility to just give them stuff, bail them out, give them this and give them that. And, give, and you're trying to fix a problem, but what you don't know is you're actually creating the problem. And this father is here waiting for this boy. Many people, when they preach about this text, they're saying that the father is waiting for the boy because he just loves the boy so much. No, no, no. Yes, he loves the boy. But the father is also waiting for this boy because he realizes he made a mistake. He should not have given this boy all this money. Don't have to give people what they want. You got to give people what they need. He was giving this kid what he wanted at the wrong time. He created the problem. He created this problem. So he's there trying to fix this problem. The second thing that happened is that when the father created this problem, he got obsessed. Every day he was obsessed waiting for this boy. Waiting for this boy. He neglected his own responsibility. He neglected his own job because he was obsessed with trying to fix the problem he had created. And in the process, he even, he even neglected the older son. The reason this guy was bitter and upset was because the father neglected him because he was obsessed with this little kid who had gone away and the problem that he had created. The older son became bitter because he had been neglected by the father trying to fix the problem. Here's the third thing that the father did. When the son comes back home, he throws a party. He goes to the older son and he's saying, come on, come join us. Come party with us. And this son is like, I don't want to do that. And and, and the father is very apologetic to the older son. He's apologetic for doing the right thing. And there are people in this place, the reason we keep making mistakes is because we are apologetic for doing the right thing. We have a people-pleasing spirit. And I pray that God heals you from a people-pleasing spirit in the name of Jesus. Heal us, Father, from a people-pleasing spirit. The reason we are making mistake after mistake is because we are broken we have a people pleasing spirit heal us God from the inside out from the inside out you're never going to fulfill the things you're saying you're going to do with a people pleasing spirit I've had to ask God to help me I had to reach a place where I had to say you know what I'm not going to enable those problems anymore I'm not going to finance that anymore I'm not going to do that anymore I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you in the hands of God I want to end by giving you three things somebody shout three Three things that you need to do in order to reset your life. Number one, you need to pray for godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Here's what this boy does. Let's connect the files now. Let's connect them. The first thing this boy does is he gets sick and tired of eating the Food, he's sick and tired you need to get sick and tired of being unhealthy you need to get sick and tired of making those mistakes over and over and over you need to get sick and tired of having an appetite for crazy things you need to say God reset my heart you need to to get sick and tired you need to get wary of doing the same stuff this is what the father does as well The father is waiting for this boy because he wants to fix the problem. He's sick and tired of being sick and tired. But that's the problem with file number two. This guy is, I'm not showing up to the party. I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. His heart is hard. I pray in the name of Jesus that there's going to be a sensitivity that's coming into your life again. I'm praying that you're going to feel again. That God is going to make you have a God. You're going to be remorse again is going to make you sensitive again in Jesus' name. The second thing you need to do, somebody say number two, is you need to be honest. This boy here says to himself, I'm going to go back home. I messed up. How many people at home are eating and they have everything? Look at me. Look at where I am right now. I need to be honest with my life. You need to be honest. You need to be honest. If you're going to change your life, you need to be honest. Why? The reason why you're you're overweight, the reason why you're doing what you're doing, you've got to be honest. You need to stop the self-deception. Stop lying to yourself. Put a list together of things that really need to change. It's time to confront the things from the inside out. I need to change here. I, I need to change my life here. I remember the day when I looked at my wife and I said, Honey, I need to change. I've not been the, the kind of husband that you need. I've, I've neglected you. I, I need to change it. You need to go back home and write it down. You need, you need to say to somebody, there, there are places, there are things that you need to change. Say to somebody and ask somebody to hold you accountable. Help me. Next time you see me doing this again, help me out. Help me out. You've got to be honest with yourself. And then lastly, number three. Somebody say number three. You need to, you need to repent. Now, repenting is not just crying. The word repent in the Greek is metanoia. It's the word metanoia. Two words, meta, noia. This word meta simply stands for change. It's the same word we find in metamorphosis, to change. And the word noia stands for mind. You need to change your mind. You need to change your heart. The repentance for this boy in file number one happened the moment he turned his back from that pig stuff and took the first step home. You need to do something differently. You need to change your heart. You need to change direction. First, you've got to get sick and tired. of The place that you're in. Stop saying it's okay. It's not okay. No, 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 no. I need to shed off this this weight. It's not okay. I need... I'm I'm overworking. No, it's not okay. I need to admit it. I need to first thing you have to do is you've gotta get sick and tired. You cannot change what you tolerate. First thing you have to say, I need to change this. And the second thing, you need to be absolutely honest about it. Some of you need to talk to somebody there, some of you need to make a call and talk to somebody. You need you, you, you need to tell somebody I am looking at I am looking at the wrong stuff in the night on the computer I am doing something that I I, I can I, I've, I've developed this appetite for pigs food and I need God to help me and then number three you need to change your heart you need to change your direction and you need to ask God to heal you stand with me if you can